Greetings, fruits, and welcome to We Are All Fruit, a League of Their Own podcast. My name is Susanna. I'm Kat. And I'm Crystal. Today we're discussing the pilot of A League of Their Own, written and created by Will Graham and Abby Jacobson. Hi. Hey. Hi. How are you? So hello, fruits. <laughs> this is our first podcast. We are super excited to be here with you. We have 550 followers and we need this is our first podcast we're pretty excited about it amazing Yay. thanks for joining us thirsty for a league of their own content thirsty for fruits crystal do you want to start i'm gonna start by reading the official episode description of the first episode of this delightful show in 1943 carson shaw travels to chicago to try out for the all-american girls professional baseball league there she meets other women who also dream of playing pro baseball and makes connections that open up her world. Rockford local Max Chapman also comes to the tryouts but is turned away. With the support of her best friend Clance, she must forge a new path to pursue her dream. We have a different uh, description of this show that's eight pages long. <laughs> we have our notes. <laughs> we're going to follow, we're going to recap the, the episode scene by scene uh, because... We know that you've watched it probably 10 times already, but we really need to get into the details of the show. I was going to ask you all, um, how dare we make another podcast when so many podcasts exist? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> With that, um, Wait. Crystal, take us... No, oh. no, no. Susanna. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, have you taken your Invisalign out? <laughs> I have not because I have to keep it in for 22 hours a day. Do you know the Billie Eilish song at the beginning of the song where she's like, I have taken my Invisalign out. That's how her no. album starts. I had no idea. So okay, I well, wish... if listeners complain, listeners, if you complain, next time I'll take out my Invisalign. Right now, though, everybody's going to have to bear with it. Oh, so un Billie <laughs> Eilish. I wish we could use that, but we don't have that Copyright money. violation. Yeah. First, first seven <laughs> minutes of a podcast. <laughs> stricken down all right so we're gonna go scene by scene beginning with lake valley idaho in 1943 we see abby's character carson shaw running to the train station with her bra out <laughs> very exciting that is that is a a note here in the notes it just it, says bra that's the note look we all we know, all know what what, exactly um she runs into a family who who the wife tells her don't forget the pie and the pie comes up again in episode two we won't spoil anything for those of you who are watching along with us i don't know why you wouldn't just binge the show but it does come up again it becomes an important plot point the pie um, comes up not once, but twice again. Yes. Carson's pies are a thing. Okay. They're legendary have to, for not being great. Yeah, Crystal has started a, a separate nerdy document that counts all the different things. So like one thing we've been counting is obviously Greta's butt slaps. Um, and I think the pie should be added to that category. I will count the pies. And if you guys want anything else counted, I will add it to the doc. Okay, great. Let us know, listeners. Um, all right, so she reaches the, she promises to be there. She's obviously not going to be there. She reaches the train. She does not have a ticket. All of the people on the train, we see a lot of soldiers. Obviously, this is set in World War II. Uh, we also see some women religious. 
And when Carson says Jesus, she has to correct herself and say, Jesus, I mean, Jesus, I miss you so much. I don't know why she would miss Jesus if he's always everywhere, um, <laughs> but she misses Jesus. This whole opening is amazing because it is so Abby Jacobson's humor. Like her, her brand of humor is all over this right from the beginning. And her character here, I said it the first time we watched it. She's basically her character from Broad City, but in the 40s. And if anyone doesn't know what Broad City is, it's a show that Abby co-created prior to this, and I highly recommend it. It's hilarious. Oh, do you want to talk about your Broad City connection? There's a really cute little um, like a connection in Broad City in season two of that show. Her, her co-creator and co-star in the show Alana Glazer is talking about what an awesome life her grandmother lived and she says she played on the Rockford Peaches <laughs> which is the team in a league of their own obviously and I don't know if Abby wrote that line or had anything to do with it but it makes me think that she did and that she's had this long-standing interest or at least appreciation of the All-American Girls Baseball League something that led her to creating this show. And that's one criticism I've heard from people who are not into the show, right? That it's essentially Broad City set, like, ahistorically placed into 1943. And I'm actually a professional historian. Like, I teach at a college and I write books and stuff. <laughs> and when I have <laughs> books and stuff, uh, when I first watched the show, I, I, I was so put off by the kind of Again, this ahistorical plopping of, you know, particular language into this period. And then I decided that I'm going to lean into my lesbian side instead and just enjoy the show for what it is. And actually, Will Graham um, has talked about the choice to make this more conversational, you know, the way we talk in 2022, um, to be more relatable. And I fully support. I think if, if they were speaking like people did talk in the 40s, the show would not be as successful. Well, and the other thing too, right, it, it's, it may not be historically accurate in the way that the characters are speaking or the mannerisms of like millennial speak, right, and millennial gestures and all that, but there were queer people in the league, many of them, right, one of them just came out this past year at the age of 90-something, and those stories just were never told. All right, so we're done with our train scene, we caught it, we're going to Chicago, uh, Crystal, you have a note about the intro. And you did something really cool for the podcast with the intro. I did. So the intro of this show is just this awesome series of shots of these A League of Their Own patches on different colored fabrics. And uh, I went through episode by episode and I screenshot every single one <laughs> in HD on my giant 4K monitor. Um, there's 53 different patches shown across all the episodes. They all look amazing. I will put this folder up for public download if people are interested. They would make really cool desktop backgrounds. They just look amazing. If people want them, just let us know on Twitter. I will put these up for download somewhere and everyone can enjoy all these screenshots I took. All right, so we're back to the main action Carson is sitting on a train next to an older lady, and she's reading Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. And she says that she likes that it's not a fairy tale when Elizabeth, the main character, meets Darcy. 
that she doesn't, quote, have instant butterflies. And then eventually they end up having this great love story. And I love that this is foreshadowing, obviously, meeting Greta, coincidentally played by Darcy Carden. Um, the apostrophe. The apostrophe, yes. Um, Everyone's on Twitter has done this now. And if you haven't, please do it in honor of the new queen of the lesbians. I mean, she even really League is. of Their Own, the Amazon handle has done it because of Susanna. I'm, it's the, the proudest moment of my life. Um, getting a PhD is nothing compared to, to when A League of Their Own retweeted me and Darcy commented with a little smiley face. Um, if only she wasn't straight and married. I'm sorry, presumably straight. I don't know. But right, we don't know her sexuality. Yes. I would ask when the wedding of Darcy and Susanna was. Has this stopped me before? Is what I would ask you in response. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Darcy. I respect your marriage and the sanctity of holy matrimony. I won't do anything. Okay. Carson asks herself, uh, what is romance anyway? She's thinking about the book. And then we see for the first time we're introduced to Charlie, right? We see his photo inside the book. Um, IMDb points out a, f a flab there that zip codes were not invented until later. So the the letter has the zip code on it, and Is it wouldn't so? have yeah, oh it wouldn't goodness. have been there in 1943. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so then she, in the morning, she's changing into her uniform and tries to psych herself up, kissing her glove before the tryouts. We arrive in Chicago at the Union Station. She's looking for the fictional Baker Field, right? The actual field was Kat, our baseball expert. Uh, you know this. <laughs> Wrigley Field. Wrigley Field. There we go. Um, and in the actual tryouts, 280 women came from 26 states and five Canadian provinces. Oh, history corner. History corner. Oh yeah, we should I, say too. Make sure that the my favorite uh, murder girls don't sue us either, because I think they were the first ones to come up with corners. But I feel like everybody says, you know, various corners now. So <laughs> just want to make sure. Billie Eilish, first lawsuit, and then the my favorite girl uh, murder girls, and maybe uh, Darcy Carden because That's we've <laughs> suggested that she's possibly maybe who knows her sexuality. Right. You do you, Darcy. <laughs> We love you no matter what. And then, so uh, Crystal has a note here. Was this filmed in LA? Crystal has that note there. That's so cute because, yes, it is absolutely filmed in downtown LA. It's filmed a block from where I live downtown. I remembered you saying that. That's why I added that note. Mm -hmm. So clean. They must have done cleaning for a week. Right. The leaf blowers scene. with all the dust in LA. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so at Uni just outside of Union Station slash in LA, we're introduced to Joe DeLuca and Greta Gill, played by Melanie Field and the aforementioned Darcy Carden. Mm -hmm. um, they're struggling with a map, and Greta tells Joe, wow, Joe, you're right. You're always right. And then they sort of joke that, you know, Greta can come up with last-minute solutions, but Joey comes prepared. Carson follows the girls because she recognizes that they too might be going to the tryouts. And Greta licks her lips seductively while staring at Carson for the first time. And this will become a theme in this episode and I think later on. Everything Greta does is seductive. Everything is flirtatious. 
in like the most feminine like delightful way oh, i was gonna say delicious you said delightful so delicious is such a better description of everything she does <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a reason every queer woman is obsessed with her now i know that's it's a problem there's <laughs> so many things about this scene that stick with me and that i love and that like i've because i've seen this episode many times there's so many things going on here that are like almost make me squeal. I won't squeal because Susanna and I have known each other for a very long time and I know she hates squealing <laughs> and excite. I, she also hates excitement. So correct. I can confirm. But it are so amazing. There is the point where, Oh, do we talk about the, she doesn't look like that much competition. Well, here yeah, I am. That, I'm talking that's the about next it. line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't look like that much competition. Uh, but she uh Greta goes and it's like hold on she goes and gets uh some smokes from whatever the little why can't I think about those soldiers Soldiers. I was gonna say military little soldiers and when she when she comes back and she gives uh Carson one of the cigarettes she goes doink and I don't know why, but that's like the cutest <laughs> thing ever and so unexpected. It's just She doink. says doink. <laughs> My I did notes not catch that. There's a lot of notes I have for this 90 seconds. It's doink. There's boing boing boing. When she's talking about <laughs> I feel like I'm in a pinball machine. And right. she says ooh la la. She says a lot of things three times. Mm-hmm. there's another count if you want i have a lot of counts yeah add that to the list boing 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 um, and ooh la la and then three butt slaps uh, in the morning is what carson will receive but we're not mm-hmm. there yet um <laughs> actually before she bums the cigarette off the soldiers she also tells joey to help carson with her bag oh, um, which is like a, a really butch right thing to do and the bag is heavy because carson admits that she was in a rush and didn't have the time to, to select which books to bring um, and Joe makes fun of her, says, we're not going to library tryouts, which is really funny. <laughs> and then Greta says, no one has time to read in New York. And this is when Carson gets excited, right? Because she wants to know Greta's background right away. And right away, we, we learn that somehow this woman is really mysterious because she says she's from all over. Um, she names the Big Apple, Houston and Paris. And then Joe says that Greta dated a movie star who she says is Henrik's Johnson from The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Significance history corner, right? Uh, this is the first mention of the 1939 film, which becomes even more significant later on. Although four years in, I'm not sure how big the film actually was among queer people at the time. Uh, Judy Garland certainly becomes a queer icon by, you know, in the 1950s and 60s, but I'm not sure that in 43 it would have signified necessarily that connection to sort of secret gay people. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the start of. Perhaps. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, Henrik Johnson, I, I looked up who the um, lollipop kids were, right? Because they say he was one of the lollipop kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and first of all, either it would have been uh, played by a little person or a kid. So that's very confusing about like who Greta is supposed to have dated, which one of them. But also mm. the actor doesn't show up. He was not actually one of the actors in the film. So this is so a fictional we, we character. Think this is a fictional name. 
Right, but they're placing it in the context. I would love to know more about why, what's going on here. I have um, a thought about that. Yeah, tell us. Was that her and uh, Joe, I, I mean, you didn't have IMDb back then, so they made this up to keep Greta safe, that she dated mm. somebody and he was mm. in a movie. And I just thought it was something that those mm-hmm. two kept together. Like, you would never be able to find out if, Henrik Johnson was in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> or someone could say they were mm-hmm. an actor and you'd be like, oh, okay, I believe you. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so we're now at the cigarette doink moment. <laughs> okay, we, yes, we have to talk about this more because this is the first instance of I am deeming, air quoting, the thing Greta does with her hands and air quote. Because, I mean, this is obviously just Darcy doing this, but I'm going to say it's Greta, just to not be weird. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot help but look at her hands all Mm -hmm. the time. And she's always, she has, like, the most beautiful, like, feminine, dainty hands. Slender. They're, like, so slender. And every movement she does with her hands is so... It's hard to describe (laughs) in this scene. She's she's literally like fondling this cigarette. If you didn't notice her hands, you're going to notice it now because everything she touches, she touches in such a way that is very um, tantalizing. Uh, We've just added a new corner to the podcast. Crystal's (laughs) obsession with Greta's hands corner. Please take note of that. Which is funny because, I mean, she's gorgeous, obviously. She's just not my personal type, but her hands are mesmerizing. And we should mention, by the way, that um, Kat and Crystal are, well, if they lived in the 1940s, I think they would say they were roommates, but they are, in fact, <laughs> married to each other. So so the, the subjectification of fictional characters is consensual and within also holy <laughs> matrimony. So everything's, That's right. everything's great here. I love you, boo. Love you, boo. Um, I am very single. Okay. Um, <laughs> Super Please, cute. Everyone. Amazing hair. <laughs> okay. Greta notices that Carson wait, is wait, married. Wait. We're moving oh. on from that immediately. Yes. We got to get through this. This <laughs> We're only on scene three. Okay. Um, all right. Greta notices that Carson is married and continues to lick her lips seductively again as Carson talks about Charlie very awkwardly. Right. You can see that Carson is not sort of trying to tell a narrative that she doesn't herself believe about how perfect she and Charlie are together. And then uh, Greta cutely shrugs and tells Carson, this is really boring. And they, <laughs> and they walk off. In- I would instantly fall in love if someone told me I was really boring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, after the street scene, Greta being incredibly flirtatious, we're moving on to the Bakerfield tryouts, where we see all the girls that have come to try out for the league, and this is such a great scene. We start with Maybelle Fox, played by Molly Ephraim, uh, who tells Lupe Garcia, played by Roberta Colendres. I apologize if I'm saying that poorly. She says to her that she has an arm like a shotgun. And quick history corner, only 11 uh, Latinas and Chicanas played in the league because they could pass as white. 
Um, They were fair-skinned enough. Uh, Margaret Marge Villa was a Mexican-American from Montebello, California, and she played for the Kenosha Comets. And Lupe Garcia's character is, is inspired by Marge Villa. That's fascinating. I love how educational that this podcast also is. <laughs> <laughs> this is about Greta's hands and also history. Yes. Um, also at the tryouts, we're, we're being introduced to all the characters that you're going to get to know and love. Next we see Jess McCready, played by Kelly McCormack, and she's chewing tobacco. Next to Shirley Cohen, played by Kate Berlant who complains that she's spreading germs everywhere. Ever heard of the flu? And just spits out her tobacco and says, have you ever heard to shut up? <laughs> <laughs> then we see uh, Esti Gonzalez, played by Priscilla Delgado, who is from Cuba and pretends to know English by quoting the music from Oklahoma. <laughs> who wrote that note? Susanna that wrote Susanna. that note. Yeah, because she goes Oklahoma, where that went, right? Like she's just... You're the only one of us three that would know what that was. Oh, okay. Yeah, the only <laughs> phrase she says in English in the first episode is just directly quoting the lyrics of the opening number of Oklahoma in the music. <laughs> so Susanna is very gay and also loves theater. So they just go really hand in hand. Correct. Mm-hmm. And to reiterate, very single. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> this is just a ploy to get me uh, whatever. This is a secret <laughs> attempt at <laughs> wiping Susanna up. Gosh. <laughs> All right. Uh, we also see at the tryouts Chaperone Beverly, played by Dale Dickey. Uh, she tells Carson and Greta and Joe to impress Mr. Baker, who is a fictionalized version of Philip K. Wrigley, who is who in reality started the All-American Girls Baseball League um, in the show. He's Mr. Baker. Can I comment on this? Yes. So he's, you know, the Baker chocolate bar. That's what he's supposed to be. It looks an awful lot like a baby Ruth bar. Do you know what those are, Susanna? Vague. I don't think I've ever had one. I, I, I wasn't born in the U.S. Nor was Crystal. We're very international over here. <laughs> but I know the name. Do both of you know what the baby Ruth bar is? I've also heard it, heard of it, but I've never had one. It's so funny because they claim it wasn't named after Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't inspired by Babe Ruth, but the year that it would, it came out or whatever was like when Babe Ruth was very hot. And they said they named after President Grover Cleveland's daughter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sounds fake. Anyhow, I just liked that when I saw the picture of the, the Baker chocolate bar, it looked exactly like a baby Ruth. Right. Oh. And in reality, the real man that started the uh, league, Philip K. Wrigley, is of Wrigley's chewing gum and also owner of the Chicago Cubs at the time. Chaperone Beverly is actually really awesome. We're going to get to know her more. And she's a great character, unlike the chaperone in the movie version of A League of Their Own, who that chaperone is kind of just an antagonist. Mm. meant to get in the way for hijinks right and we'll find out at the end right her whole deal we find out more about chaperone beverly than we do about greta's past (laughs) i'd like to point out (laughs) (laughs) this is not a criticism richly layered (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then we get an amazing tryout 
montage. Everyone loves a montage, right? It's really well done, too. I'm, it is. It's a delight, even for somebody who doesn't love baseball as much as Cat does, for example. The tryout montage is also amazing because when they see when Joe and Carson and Greta see everybody, here's the threes again. They all say, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. True. You're right. <laughs> Lots of threes. And I've always wanted to talk about baseball, but no one's ever interested. So now it's like I get to talk about ladies playing baseball and settle in for a 40 minute lecture, everybody. And we, <laughs> we are. I have never met a human man or woman that knows as much about baseball and loves baseball as much as Kat Jetson. That's a fact. Oh, well, great. I get to talk about it a little bit. I am going to talk about, not now, because we are really, this is our first episode. We're trying to figure it out. We're really getting through it. But I do want to talk about uh, Major League Baseball and the fact that not one Major League player is out. So that'll be a whole, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that will be more than a corner. That will be the whole room when we get to talk about that. So the trial, the music's playing. They're so excited. You get to see all their amazing chops. And and clearly you could tell that. Why can't I think of the guy's name? Who's the guy who owns the team? Baker. It's in the notes right here, but I can't just stare at these notes. He is not really having this. They are, I mean, they're trying to sell tickets. It's clearly not working that well. He's not into it, but. What he wants, he wants short skirts. He wants them to be prim and proper girly girls. I don't know. He wants money, and he thinks that that is the way to money. Right. What was it? The skirts, what is it? Three inches above the knee or eight? What, however many inches. I don't know. Inches. Sizes. Lengths. I'm really horrible <laughs> with that. I can't order anything from Amazon without it being delivered. That's either way too big or way too small. (laughs) Uh, In the tryout montage, uh, we see Greta wink at Carson for the very first time, which, again, everything she does is flirtatious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No pressure. That's how I feel about our podcast. No pressure. (laughs) Can someone... can? Can Darcy Carden please wink at us to help us get through this? <laughs> to help us relax. <sighs> mm-hmm. We also see Esty just run and keep running, like Forrest Gump style, because she doesn't understand the instructions, because she doesn't speak almost any English. And you get a first glimpse of her being, she is the fast one. Mm-hmm. Um, you also see... Um, like pitching tryouts with all the women pitching overhand, like you would expect to see in baseball and history corner. Uh, in reality, the women in the all American girls baseball league were only allowed to pitch underhand for the first three years of the league. So that's softball style. In fact, the whole game, it more resembled a fast version of softball initially with the 12 inch ball and everything. Um, they would later decrease the size of the ball and the distance between the bases and adopt different pitching styles all to more resemble the MLB. So uh, here's another example of, no, this show's not uh, historically accurate and that's okay. We get baseball right out the gate here. And then here comes our first 
Greta butt slap alert. Do you count blah, this blah, as blah, a butt slap? I do. You have to count it. I feel like you have to. We can have this debate, though, if you want to fight about this. <laughs> I won't. mean, she touches a butt with Yeah, it's a mitt. It's not okay. a hand. All right. Half? Half a butt slap alert? Okay. We could have this discourse. We could d- discuss <laughs> further. Okay. We're going to start a Twitter thread where everybody can can pitch in with their it thoughts. Pitch in. Slap. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Greta slaps Jess's butt as she's running to a base to like tag her out. So does that count as a butt slap? I think it does because she does it flirtatiously as she does everything flirtatiously. She does. Listeners get in touch. What do you think? And Jess, after the butt slap, gives her like a little side eye and almost a smirk. And I think Jess immediately is getting a vibe from Greta. She... Mm -hmm. This is like this moment when you meet another queer person, but you don't know they're queer, but you're getting that vibe and you're like sussing it out. Mm. <laughs> we all know that moment. Yeah. I love it. Esty's <laughs> um, trying to find friends who would speak Spanish and she turns to Shirley, who says hilarious. I'm such a fan of Kate Berland too. And my I remember texting you guys when I was first watching the pilot. And I was complaining that there's not enough Shirley Cohen. I just find Kate Berlant's character so funny and so neurotic and hilarious. So she says she's not equi- equipped to speak Spanish, which is such a hilarious way to think about language. And then Lupe, of, of course, comes to the rescue and introduces herself. And Esty starts hugging her uh, aggressively. And Lupe tells her to stop. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down, she says. <laughs> that's that's us hugging you i know it's a lot that is you love Susana it is lupe but and we are sd in this moment correct every moment but like in every moment of our lives that's mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i would see joe breaking a bat they show a girl doing the splits catching a ball which i think is a little nod to the movie where you see gina davis's character do the splits mm-hmm. to catch a ball there's so many nods to the movie i love it yes there are we should probably do an episode of on the movie maybe mm-hmm. at the end mm-hmm. the movie is also excellent if you're like a new person to a league of their own if you're like a young person or any person that hasn't seen the movie that came out in i don't know 90, 1992 1992 it is excellent it is completely devoid of any queer or any people of color as were most things in the 90s. However, it is an excellent movie. It's very funny and very charming. And Please watch it. And a tall redhead. It's got Gina Davis. Can't... Yeah. There's oh. also, if you're interested in the his- history corner again, uh, there is, so the movie was based on a 1987 documentary that you can, about a, a reunion of the League that took place must have been 85 or 86 and so you see a lot of the original players and hear their stories um and you can find that on youtube it's fairly short too and there's a maybelle blair cameo yeah she's in the stands stands with shirley berkovich who played from 1949 through 1951 and she was nicknamed hustle I love it. <laughs> oh, nicknames, baseball nicknames used to be so cool. Now nicknames are like someone's name is Goldschmidt and they called him Goldie. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. come on. 
What's a What's cool one favorite? from the past? Yeah. I mean, I think I like the Blizzard of Oz. Ozzy Smith. Nice. That is a really good nickname. Yeah, the Blizzard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Also ties in with our show here. We, we see the press being skeptical. Cat already mentioned the poor ticket sales. Carson has a super impressive catch that none of them notice. And then she loudly says, shit, just as Baker says, don't worry. These are, you know, good feminine women. Carson actually crashes into one of the members of the press. So one of them did know she full knocks a guy over <laughs> as they're talking to Mr. Bacon. Bacon? Mr. Bacon. Mr. Baker. <laughs> okay, ca- okay, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Baker's saying... Like, these girls are going to be feminine. They're not going to swear. They're not going to smoke. And Carson just crashes into a guy and yells, shit. <laughs> Anybody see that? <laughs> it's great. And and the, what we see later, too, with the rules that they get in the chaperone, right? This is all based in, uh, in the actual uh, rules of the league. The league was profoundly concerned with the feminine image and the sort of sex appeal of these women. And as Greta says, you know, make sure we don't look like a bunch of queers. Mm-hmm. All right, so this scene ends with, well, there's a bunch of cool shots of publicity photos, right? Like kind of still shots. Uh, I love the blowing lo- bubble. Made yeah, Maybell. And then Shirley's throwing up from her anxiety. <laughs> Thanks, Kate Blant. <laughs> and then Carson professes that she is quite nervous, right? And Greta tells her to watch herself instead of, or watch yourself, she says, instead of everyone else. And yeah, watch yourself. Has- that's right Joe. Carson does succeed with an impressive hit and Greta is instantly attracted <laughs> I think she was already attracted but yeah. gives her a damn <laughs> <laughs> we love Greta so much <laughs> who picked up that baseball I don't know Max who? oh yeah. enter I didn't Max, catch that. Oh. I also did not catch that. Nice cat. Oh, thank you. Nice catch. Cat, lead us, lead us into the next scene of importance. This is so exciting that I get to talk about this. Max and Clance, these two little, clearly best friends forever. Max is showing up to uh, the tryouts, trying to psych herself out, and she's got her friend Clance there for support. Just like, come on, we got to do it. We're just going to keep walking. And Clance knows that Max is not supposed to be there. But she goes for it anyhow. She's mm-hmm. got to give it a try, right? Let them say no right to my face, which I think is so spirited and awesome. And I know there was talk of Wonder Woman before that, and that's Crystal's Corner. Crystal's Corner. <laughs> I love Clance. Yeah, if I could just say Clance is my absolute favorite character. She's such a darling. She's so funny. She's this comic book nerd and she intros just chatting about Wonder Woman to Max who does not care at all. <laughs> but she's just going on and on about Wonder Woman. They do. They're on, it's so clear that they could not be any more different. She's like she's talking about comics, she's talking about baseball, she's talking about her husband, she's talking about baseballs like you know (laughs) she's talking about anything Clance is talking about anything and Max is just all baseball and Clance is everything else and you love both of it you love the baseball talk and everything else that Clance loves 
And we should say here too that Clancy's character is inspired by several black uh, women comic artists, most notably uh, Jackie Orms, who worked for newspapers like the Chicago Defender, which is a historically black newspaper in, in uh, the 20th century Chicago. Um, and Will Graham had a great Twitter thread about that history. So yay, Clance. Also, um, the actor who plays Clance Morgan, Bemisola Ikumelo, um, did you know that she's British? Her her no. English accent, yeah. Her <laughs> accent here is so spot on. It's wonderful. Oh She's God. delightful. Yeah, yeah. I am always shocked when I discover an actor <laughs> is British when they're not playing a British character. Yeah. I can't believe how good she really pulls it off. Yeah. And Max is played by Shantae Shant- Adams. Do you say Shant- Shantae? Shantae Adams. Shantae. It's got that an accent. Very Canadian of me. <laughs> <laughs> Shanty. <laughs> So obviously, as they're walking to try out, right, they're approached by these uh, unpleasant-looking white men who tell them that this is the All-American League, and Max defiantly says, we're pretty All-American, and she makes a joke about how she looks better, her form looks better than a lot of the girls in the field, and then Glance is hilariously correcting him about the name of the Rockford Peaches, because why? They don't grow peaches in Rockford, Illinois. <laughs> Maybe you should call the team the corn, which would be really funny. It is adorable. I mean, I do love how confident so many of these characters are outwardly, mm-hmm. but deep down, you know, they're questioning themselves. They like it's almost like a forced confidence they have to to you know, push through in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think is something women do all the time today is yeah. fake confidence. We know that we have to be confident to kind of make it in a quote unquote man's world, but we're just like kind of beat down from an early age that we should doubt ourselves at every corner. So it's awesome to see these characters just be like, I'm putting on a brave face and I'm going out there and I'm doing this, even though I'm scared. Cause I think that's something we all do often. Right. I mean, and as you can, t- I mean, later on in the show, you notice uh, all the other male, you know, baseball players are like not even good. Right? And they mm-hmm, get to just mm-hmm. do this thing just because, which is just that, male confidence thing that they're just blessed with yeah they don't even think that they're not good they're like no i'm good even though (laughs) yeah in reality they're not they just Mm -hmm. they just fully and truly believe that they are the best at everything they do yeah so our ladies are told to leave and max frustrated frustrated pitches and the ball reaches the bleachers leaving yeah. Carson impressed. Carson's like, who is that? Who's that? <laughs> who is that? <laughs> who um, is she? Oh. And History Corner here, Max's character is based on multiple women who who were black and played baseball at the time. Um, uh, Mammy Johnson, Tony, Sto- Tony Stone, and Connie Morgan. They played in the Negro Leagues with men. There was also a woman named Billy Harris, a black softball player, dubbed the Jackie Robinson of softball. And obviously the league did not allow them to try out. Um, And Tony Stone, uh, her 
official name was Marcenia Lyle, and she changed her name to Tony Stone because she thought her name sounded too cute. I think that's amazing because there's a whole story about uh, Max's mom changing her name. Yes. Or going by, or, or not changing her name, but like Tony. Her name is Tony. Right. But just, yes, I'm sorry, not changing her name, but just the bank thinking that she was a man. Well, and, and Crystal pointed out in our notes that even the fact that she is named Tony is perhaps acknowledge and giving a nod to mm-hmm. uh, Tony Stone, right? Yeah. And then, of course, Max has to also go by Max to get the factor. There's a whole thing with, with naming yeah. and names. All right, so then they sort of help each other out, right? Uh, Clans calms Max down. They have that adorable friend mode. These two, their friendship is so pure and believable and realistic. And they, they hype each other up and they calm each other down. And everyone needs a friend a friendship like this mm-hmm. in their life it's so good i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine are you fine i'm, I'm fine. fine i'm, I'm gonna fine. pretend you're fine i'm fine <laughs> and then clans wants to go get a comic book a quote before we take the train back to our devastating lives another great line and then max says uh, you're a married woman clans and she responds just because i got married to a sexy sexy gentleman don't mean i got normal <laughs> great <laughs> It actually reminds me of this relationship, too, of um, Abby and Alana's relationship in Broad City, right? Even though they had multiple relationships with men, they were each other's intimate partners. And I think mm. yeah. this continues on the, on the show as well. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we arrive at the Belmore Hotel um, post-tryouts. Shirley's, of course, doing a face mask while recounting her usual rituals that she did not follow. She's now mad at herself. Jess complains about a bird almost shitting, shitting on her eye. Uh, Maybelle says she picked a wedgie in front of Baker. And This whole scene, they're in the bathroom acting like girls in a bathroom. They are not being ladylike. They're being very realistic and normal, which... I think that, you know, a lot of people for many, many years thought, oh, ladies are very... Polite, don't talk about pooping, and but these <laughs> girls are just in there, right? Joking with each other, swearing, smoking, they're all smoking, smoking and, and drinking. drinking in the bathroom. <laughs> but uh, what I want to know though, first of all, I looked up the Belmont Belmore Hotel, rather. I don't, I can't find any evidence that this was a historical hotel. Who cares? My point though is, um, in what hotel is there a bathroom that can accommodate? 20 women like wh- what is this i don't think this was a thing in the 40s maybe i'm wrong but i don't think there were communal bathrooms i don't know greta is the only one who's confident that they'll get on the team and tells carson your guy would be proud i think she brings she's poking up. yeah mm-hmm. she yeah. is poking her she's she knows she's what's doing up. that thing that it's another thing that queer women have to do where mm-hmm. you're like is this person that I'm talking to also queer? You're like mm-hmm. poking and prodding and seeing what information you can get out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carson says she needs to go up to her room to unpack, but of course sits down at the little table to write a letter to Charlie. And we see 
it some time must have passed because Greta and Joe appear more drunk than they had been previously in the bathroom. They sh- they show up, sort of barge I mean, she's in. She's probably been writing this letter for like an hour, one line, dear Charlie, comma. <laughs> That's it. Right. So they show up. Uh, at, go and ahead, she's Chris. like flustered. Carson is like flustered by Greta, I think. And so she's like mm-hmm. feeling the need to like talk to her husband. And she doesn't quite know what to say now because she's like, what are these feelings that I'm having? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the girls come in and say that they want to talk about her hair. And Joe says, it's very farm, which again is a reference to the movie. Uh, yeah. Right. And an ongoing gag in the show too. Ongoing. Oh, we should do a farm count. Hold on, let me add this to the count document. Farm count. Farm count. Every time they talk about Carson being from a farm, which she is not. Right. <laughs> we all know. The response to someone making a comment about her being from a farm is always the comedy cold, too. Mm-hmm. The way mm-hmm. uh, her delivery is different in every single instance, and I love it. She's like bitter about it. She's not from like she's mumbling, like grumbling about it. It's so great. Abby Jacobson's delivery in this and again in Broad City is so funny. Almost all of her lines she says very quietly, almost Mm -hmm. at a whisper, as if she doesn't want anyone else to hear what she's saying. It's so hysterical. Yeah, it's great. All right, so Greta starts cutting Carson's hair. Um, She sees a picture of oh. She just says randomly, I do haircuts. <laughs> okay. That's going to be my pickup line from now on. I do walk around with scissors. Just walk around with scissors and a mister. Yeah, yeah. I do haircuts. She does haircuts. So what we know so far is that she's dated somebody from the Wizard of Oz. She's maybe from New York and also all over, and she cuts hair. Right. Great, Great background. Mm-hmm. Um. So she's, she looks at the picture, says he's handsome, but looks a little boring, and then asks about him in the sack, which, again, nobody would have asked in the 1940s, but we'll forgive it. That's a wild question. When I watched this the first time, my feeling toward Greta was that she was just kind of like a little mean, like a little... Mm-hmm. And I didn't like her at first, which is crazy to think that right now, right? Because you fall in love with um, all of her layers and flaws. and Yeah. It was really hard. We'll talk about this in an upcoming scene, too. It was really hard to figure out what her motivations were. I thought the same thing. I was like, she's kind of a little bitchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's exactly my type, and I had no qualms with anything she was saying or doing. <laughs> Um, so she, well, and yeah, actually that's kind of a shitty thing to do, right? She sneaks, she, she opens Carson's journal or book that she's writing the letter in and reads what she said, which is yeah. like this invasive thing. And what she says is, dear Charlie, there's something wrong with me and you deserve better. Which. That's all she managed to write down in her letter to Charlie so far. But the something wrong is also neat because. At the time, queer people would have understood themselves as not, you know, sexual orientation or preference, but rather this pathological um, medical condition of inversion or whatever Mm -hmm. they, and this connection to mental illness was 
very strong beginning in the late 19th century and certainly through much of the 20th. So the, the something wrong is also like telling us a little bit that she's recognizing that she might be queer. Mm-hmm. Greta starts cutting her hair, no consent um, there, and then asks uh, belatedly, do you want me to stop? After chopping off a huge lock. I love that she's like, Greta, that is so much hair. I thought such a great delivery again. So much hair. Yeah, it was also so obviously extensions that I had a hard time feeling, you know, sympathy for Carson here. <laughs> and yeah, Greta says, "Do you want me to stop?" In like this very seductive tone, sultry which is mm. another. And Carson replies, "No," which again is so obviously Greta like testing the waters with Carson and trying to figure her out, and it's very hot. Mm-hmm. There. She keeps she touch. Nobody needs to be doing that much touching of the locks. Oh, the <laughs> hands again. Yes, the hands. this is the thing Greta does with her hands again. She's like fondling the the Mister and Carson's hair, twirling it. Twir- mm. uh, she even at one point, I she like runs her finger along Carson's like shoulder or something like that. It's like okay. I've never gotten a haircut like that, and I want all of the refunds. (laughs) So Carson says, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I love when um, Greta's like, what is your story? Like what she wants to know, and she finds her interesting. She finds her intriguing. And I love that Carson's like, I may have got a letter from Charlie saying he was coming home. And Greta's like, (laughs) wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? You got a letter from your husband that he was coming back from war and you left? And she's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. She gets what's up. And she says excitedly to Carson, I don't think you're running away from anything. I think you're running towards your destiny. And I noted that this was significant. Well, for multiple things, right? Obviously, she's trying to seduce her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's significant. For me, but for the show, uh, it's also significant because we learn that Greta herself is always running from things, right? Yeah. Moving from place to place. All right. Um, Fucking after fuckers. That extremely gay scene. Uh, we cut back to Max and Clance on the train going home, a bit defeated from being turned away from the tryouts. Clance is reading her comic book and yells on the train, Fucking fuckers! <laughs> She was saying earlier that she wrote a letter into the publisher and they published her letter, but they twisted it and edited it and it was not what she actually wrote. Um, Max's mom, Tony, comes up and you learn very quickly that they're both terrified of her. She is obviously a strict woman. We haven't seen her yet, but you get a real sense right away of what Tony's like. Max Max wants to go. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was just going to. Say Max wants to go to California. <laughs> just a random thing to just throw out into the universe in 1943. I'm going to go to California. And Clance says, oh, she'll, she'd go with her after she tells her husband. And Max <laughs> says, you're a whole wife. It's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> like poking fun at her for being married. This is probably another thing that a lot of people can relate to. If like your best friend gets married. Mm-hmm. And suddenly they're just kind of in a different place in 
their life. You're like, that is so weird. You're married or you have a kid. Like, what? We grew up together. How strange. It's not stopping Clance from doing anything the way she would have. It is not. Well, in fact, she wants Max to get married, too. And she suggests specifically who? The guy with the the wonky eye. The guy with the wonky eye. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) So enticing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're always poking each other and teasing each other it's so cute max says time for me to stop wanting things i can't have and like why can't i want something normal like a couch isn't that what you (laughs) married women want i love that (laughs) like everything they say even when they're having like a really personal serious conversation they're still kind of teasing each other and then Um, we see the the drawing which is really good except she would never hold her arm like that yeah it's really cute Right, Clance is like doodling as they're having this conversation on the train. She's drawing this amazing drawing of Max pitching. It's so, so cute. Crystal, I assume you've been, this whole time we've been talking, you've been doodling pictures of us or? or... Um, no. Okay. Well, we're not, we're not that close, everybody. Um, we've known each other for a long time, but clearly the, the friendship we're not is, at not, the is now, no. Max level. <laughs> all right, we're back at the hotel, exactly where we all wish to be with Greta and Carson. <laughs> Carson uh, and Greta are drinking and Greta's like, you have to tell your husband how you feel. And she agrees and they scamper downstairs and have decided to write a letter together as drunk new friends. <laughs> and Greta's hands are at it again. She's drinking a flask with her pinky up, like the most feminine way you could possibly drink out of a flask. This is one of the most adorable scenes. This scene feels very modern, like Mm -hmm. the drinking, the way they're drinking uh, just feels like two drunk girls on a Friday being obnoxious in a hotel. I have to say that Henry... The guy at the front desk is one of my favorite one is probably my favorite one off character in this show. He shows up in a a lot of things. He was in Spotlight and he was in um, uh, The Post. I really like him and I like his glasses, just his banter with them. They're really they're giving him a hard time. Yeah. This scene is the equivalent of drunk texting in the 40s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're drunk letter writing, and it is just as bad of an idea as drunk texting. (laughs) And I wanted to comment this. I I happened to pause right at the moment that Carson crumples up that one of those letters to Charlie. And what it said is so intense. I'm never coming home. I'm going to stay in Hmm. Rockford. And that just seems... Clearly, that's so much different than the other letter she wrote. It was there was more heart. Mm-hmm. She's just like, I'm never coming home. Drunk texting. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, so she wakes up hungover. Um, well, she doesn't wake up. Greta wakes her up. How? With By three sl- butt slaps. <laughs> pop, three pop, butt pop. Slaps. Mm-hmm. Um, the women are excited. They're screaming. Baker complains that they sound like hyenas. Another misogynistic comment. And we're introduced to the original four teams of the All-American Girls Baseball League. Um, they don't say the names, but they were Crystal. The Rockford Peaches, the South Bend Blue Sox, the Kenosha Comets, and the Racine Bells. 
Greta screams, we're all fucking fruit, thereby there giving is. the name to Yay. our podcast. And of course, History <laughs> Corner, fruit would have been a derogatory word introduced around this time to talk about gay men in particular, feminine, um, effeminate gay men. Carson all of a sudden remembers sending the letter to Charlie, but she doesn't remember what she said. She tries to get it back. We talk to the front of front desk clerk again. He does not want to talk to them ever again. Uh, and Greta convinces Carson to not chase the letter but become a peach instead. Which, thank goodness she does, or else we wouldn't have a show to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go back to Max, and she's going into Chapman's Beauty Salon, which is the salon owned by her mom, Tony. And I did not notice this. I guess Susanna notices that there's a great shot of the Peaches bus with all the peaches on it driving by Chapman's Beauty Salon, which is... Oh, I didn't they, notice that. Hmm. Yeah, they intertwine these two separate stories mm-hmm. um, so beautifully. Oh, and also History Corner, uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp song is playing in the background. She was super important for the development of... Um, rock and roll in general but she was this badass black musician with a really unique unique electric guitar sound that influenced much of 60s rock so tony max's mom she's questioning max about where she was the day before and max was like i was at a concert in the park uh, and her mom's like oh yeah who was playing She's like, you know, all the greats. She's like, oh, yeah, what song did they play? And Max is like, uh, there's a lady in the salon chair trying to, like, help her get through this lie. And The ladies in the chairs are so great. Can we just so give a shout funny. out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they love gossip salon and they love gossip. Drama. Yeah. So Max admits to the tryouts and clearly her mom knew all along. She's like, if you knew all along, why'd you have to make this scene in front of everyone at the salon. This is just so her mom kind of wanting her to feel a little guilt for Mm -hmm. (laughs) lying to her. And Max is like, well, how did you know? Guy told me. Guy is Clance's husband. And this is our first instance of a loose lips guy. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a really great running gag that is going to come up again in the show. And I love Guy. He is... A great character. Tony wants Max to take over the business, obviously, especially, well, for black people in general, but black women in particular, um, owning their own business was a huge deal at the at the time. So um, this is a big priority for Tony. She's not just stepping on Max's dreams here and explains um, how this is the only way to have some control of your life in the segregated United States. Um, Of course, we know, too, that women couldn't even have their own credit lines until the 1970s, so this is much earlier than that. Tony says uh, she wants Max to have a dream, but to have one that's possible, and then Max agrees and says that she'll learn bookkeeping instead. The very adorable Edgar, um, played by Alex Desert, Desert, comes in. And the ladies are in love with the love that he and Tony share. <laughs> it's a cute scene. And then Max is about to go out, and Edgar tells her not to get too drunk tonight, much like Greta and Carson had gotten the night before. <laughs> Edgar is, like, such a a girl dad. He's mm-hmm. the perfect dad for a tomboy. 
I love it. He's cute. That was my dad. He's like so sweet, yeah, mm-hmm. and supportive of her. And Max is obviously such a little daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have a very cute relationship. Uh, we're back at the Peaches house, or we're not even back. We're at just the arrived. Peaches house. We just arrived. This house is so fine, so sweet. <laughs> I wish to live here. <laughs> <laughs> With all the... Uh... Peaches. The women. You wouldn't like you wouldn't <laughs> like the smoke. I don't think you could stand the smoke. I know I couldn't. Oh, that's fine. I I'd let it I'd let it slide for this house. So we really get to uh get introduced to Beverly, their chaperone. She goes over their handbook and tells them all the things they're not supposed to do. <laughs> I'll be watching you. Those little eyes she gives to Greta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> she knows she's trouble. You kind of see. She calls Greta immediately. Yeah. (laughs) She knows she's the troublemaker. Then you kind of see who they're paired up with. Shirley's with Carson. That's really something. (laughs) Maybell and Joe. What's your type? Blondes. So Mm -hmm. cute. I love Maybell. She's so, like, dink. So cute. Jess and Lupe. And then all of a sudden you hear the bell. Ring that bell. Uh-oh. What's going to happen? Uh-oh. Greta's slapping some asses. <laughs> <laughs> Two slaps. Two slaps. I love that she slaps Lupe and Jess's ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The two biggest tomboys yeah. or butches on the team. So we're up to six butt slaps in episode okay, one. Okay, thank you for this important... The, the stats here are as serious as in any baseball game, by the way. That's right. That's right. Also, I wish can I would... just go back a moment to Jess and Lupe sitting on the porch and Lupe's mm-hmm. like, where are you from again? And Jess says, Moose Jaw. Mm-hmm. Pause. Saskatchewan. Pause. Canada. <laughs> and I promise you, every Canadian can relate to this. This is how, when people ask me where I'm from, this is the exact process I go with. Yeah. You start with the city, they don't know it. You say the province, they don't know it. And you just go, Canada, I'm from Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I say I'm from Minsk, Belarus, and they don't even think it's a country. So, you know, <laughs> count your blessings. True. Yeah. I've also been through Moose Jaw many, many times. Hmm. It's, it's on the way to Regina. Which rhymes oh. with fun. <laughs> with, which oh, rhymes with fun? Yeah. <laughs> Every time Crystal... That's a, line. That's a line from Deadpool. Oh, uh, okay. Every time Crystal talks about driving through uh, Regina... I, 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 and she talks about it a lot because she's driven. My through. family's from Regina. Amazing, <laughs> Regina, Saskatchewan. So mm. I just hear Crystal saying, "I drove through vagina like probably like four hundred <laughs> times in our okay. in time together." <laughs> All right, so the bell rings. That is Greta. She's slapping asses with dignity and composure. <laughs> so funny. They find a mother fucking bar great so excited they're going to a bar um two shirley notes just because i love shirley so kate berland who plays shirley uh, her character is really based on her actual personality she and comedian jacqueline novak have a great podcast called poog which is of course a play on gwyneth paltrow's goop 
um, where they right where they review wellness products, including like things like that, hum- humidifiers and any any kind of oh my you God. know greens you that you can yeah, oh it's 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 a whole thing. So this is hilarious, right? Because she's plugging humidifiers, she's putting on her face masks. And then on the way to the bar, she says, actually, technically, I have never been drunk before, but I have read a lot of the Greek literature surrounding alcohol, so I think I know what to do. It's just so fun and so neurotic. I just love her. And then as they're walking to, Lupe uh, says, go ahead, find me. I'm not wearing a dress, right? So she's being defined already. Jess will, of, of course, hate this. They yeah. have to wear dresses. They cannot be seen in public wearing pants. This is one of their guiding rules of femininity, which mm. they will break over and over and over. And these are also historically accurate. We have the handbooks, surviving handbooks uh, for, for what, how the ladies were supposed to act. And those were all accurate rules. I love that you wrote, everyone is doing wild 1940s dancing. <laughs> and it's crazy. I, everyone's probably seen this. They're flipping each other and spinning each other around. It's like throwing women like all over the place. It is crazy. And Shirley even says at one point, like, nobody talks about how dangerous dancing is and it is dangerous there's got to be confirmed cases of people cracking their heads open dancing like this and they show lupe like butch lupe like dancing with a confused dude and she's trying to lead him and he's like what (laughs) it's a cute it's a cute montage um again tells us a lot about the characters i think we see outside through the alley, not the main street, Max and Clans uh, are walking into the back of the bar. And Max wants to confront Clans' loose-lipped husband. Loose-lipped um, guy. So she does. Um, and Clans is sort of trying to be a mediator here, but Max goes off on Guy. Um, Clans and Guy get real cute with saying, well, actually, and actually, and actually... They are um, also adorable. Everyone like surrounding yeah. Clance is adorable. I know. Clance is adorable. I Her husband know. is so cute with his round glasses, and he's also <laughs> clearly such a little nerd. He's so sweet. Uh, so then Max says she wants to check out, uh, you know, the ladies on the team, and of course, Guy says the owner doesn't want the staff who are African American mingling with the patrons, but. Um, she she reminds him she does not work at the bar and she goes to to look at what's happening on the floor. And this is when we have the very cute moment that we started this podcast with, <laughs> callback. In case you were confused about why we were hi. saying hi to each other forty five times, this you? is what happens. <laughs> this is what happens when Greta approaches Carson and and they're clearly flirting. We learn a little bit more about Greta. She says that she and Joe met playing baseball in Queens, got their first jobs together, and then Joe's grandma threw her out because she said she wasn't a real girl, which again, of course, is a very clear, um, Mm -hmm. even if slightly um, convoluted way of saying that she was queer. And then we have an important sort of promise they make to each other. Uh, Greta says, whatever happens with this thing, however long it lasts, Let's rob the bank. Sound good? This is actually rob a bank. <laughs> yeah, Carson you mean and you her. Wouldn't <laughs> she's <laughs> trying to just clarify? She's not doing anything illegal. Um, before COVID, clearly Greta is sticking her hands in other people's drinks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the hands again. There's the, the crystal. I need to know. 
I need to know, I'm sorry, what is, so she sticks her finger in her drink the first time and takes a bite out of something. And then she does it again. And she's like, mm-hmm. I don't like it. Like what, what is she, what is this drink? And what is she I think biting? The first in her time she grabbed, it looked like she grabbed a lemon. Oh. And then the second time I, I didn't really take note, but I'm assuming she grabbed like an olive maybe. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, I just sure. really wanted to know what she didn't like that she was just sticking her fingers all over and putting her mouth all over. <laughs> fingers and mouth. What kind of podcast Yikes. is this? <laughs> I don't think any woman alive would be upset if Greta Gill stuck her No, please drink. stick your entire, you can stick your elbow in mine. I don't care. Um... All right, so Greta has to return to Joe because Joe's dancing by herself and then they dance hilariously and cutely together. Clans does not approve, however, no, she says... she has something to say about everything. <laughs> she says, what in the howdy-doody why Jesus unseasoned chicken kind of dancing is this? <laughs> it's so great. What a great line. Uh, we meet the character of Gary, played by Kendall Johnson who is going to be the sort of love interest of Max. Um, I don't know that that's the right way to put it, but he's clearly interested in her. Mm -hmm. And Gary says that he got on the factory team, even though Max is 4 billion times the player he is. He says, yeah, but that doesn't matter because you're a woman. And Crystal thinks... Gary, I think, represents the patriarchy. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) He is not that good at baseball, but he he gets a position on the baseball team handed to him. And Max is so good and tried and works her butt off and cannot get on a team. And it's just going to come up over and over again what kind of an adult Gary is. He's a decent guy, as she says later, but he is a bit of adult. I love how much Crystal loathes Gary. <laughs> I really, do too. I have a nickname for Gary, but I'm not going to say it yet. It'll come up later. Okay. okay. Can't wait. So Max gets mad at him, sort of confronts him, causing a bit of a stir. Clans then has to clean up her mess. In the meantime, Greta comes back to talk to Carson and says, I have never met anyone like you. Oh, and that's going to be important. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you have, which is a <laughs> great right, response. Right. Uh, the letter comes up again. Carson does not remember the contents, but Greta says, I think you know what you wrote. Mm-hmm. I think she does too. She's just hoping she didn't write what she thinks she mm-hmm. wrote. Mm-hmm. She's like kind of in denial. Yes. Definitely. So this is where Carson confesses to being scared of screwing up her entire life. But she's not stopping because it feels good. Greta takes Carson by the hand and takes her into a storage area. Carson innocently asks, what did you want to tell me? And the answer is a kiss. <laughs> of course, Greta kisses Carson first and then Carson very much kisses her back. And I really wanted to know, this scene is so good because... Greta like pushes herself up against the wall and kind of positions Carson in front of her, mm-hmm. kind of giving Carson all the control to like mm-hmm. pull away or leave if she wants and not cornering her. It's like really, it's really beautifully done. Like if this was like, just let's say a man kissing a woman, he would most likely push the woman against the wall and kind of 
force her into a position that she can't necessarily get out of. So it's like such a beautiful detail that you can tell a woman wrote. <laughs> Consent <Yeah>. corner. <laughs> we need to talk about this because there, if you've watched this show once, you for sure watched it twice or three times and have seen this scene in it. Like it means it does make you feel something every time you watch it, something different. And I think what I noticed the most recent time I watched this when I was taking notes was after Greta kisses Carson and they stop. Greta has a look like she's like kind of breathes out and looks nervous, you know, like it was like a very sweet little like, mm. oh boy. And I love all, like Carson in one second looks like she went through like a hundred emotions like oh my god I want this mm -hmm. I think I want this I'm gonna go for this this is great and then really leans into it so quickly that was just really hot <laughs> well and and then Carson says or Greta says I thought so right that's also really important she's acknowledging mm -hmm. what we've all been thinking the entire episode and waiting for right <laughs> that mm -hmm. Carson wants her as much as Greta wants her but then she leaves she and pushes is, Carson away and walks yeah. out of the room and you're like what oh I was so mad when, I, when we first watched this I was I was like oh snap am I gonna like this person of course I am because she's a redhead but am I gonna <laughs> like this person well and and again um I like unavailable people so I was totally into it love that she walked away real hot <laughs> I, I have no no qualms with that move um Greta could murder everyone on the show, and Susanna would be like, it's Great. okay, I'm it's team Greta. I understand you, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so then we see Ma Max stepping out of the shadows, and Carson looking horrified. Uh, Guy and Clance are leaving, Max apologizes for her behavior. Clance tells Max, I love you more than anyone else in the entire world, and Guy screams, I'm right here. <laughs> and she just shushes him. <laughs> it's like. great. <laughs> Uh, moving to California comes up again. I actually do think that a bunch of uh, league women actually did settle um, here in California. The biographies that I read, a lot of them were, in fact, long-term, quote-unquote, roommates and, and for some reason lived here. Probably just gals being pals, though. Mm -hmm. Correct. Homosexuality did not exist until 2021. Um, Correct. <laughs> Clans foreshadows factory works, uh, saying things are changing pretty fast, right? So we know that this is going to come up as a theme. Greta steps out with a soldier, and Carson follows them, trying to sort of talk Greta out of showing, as Greta says, Danny here. It, his name is actually Peter. Some of the sights. Um, Greta says, it's sweet of you to worry, but I can take care of myself, which again, I understand how some of you might feel like that's a, a mean thing. But of course, we do find out that this is a, a way to protect herself. Mm -hmm. I did think this was so evil the first time I watched it. I could not figure out Greta's motivations. I didn't, I didn't understand what she was doing. I thought maybe she was toying with Carson. I thought perhaps Greta was actually the villain of the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Carson speaks to Max and sort of stammers about being caught in that kiss. But then they talk about the tryouts and the incredible throw. And Max walks away looking quite satisfied because she has something on oh, Carson. And she, and she got to kind of chat with the ladies with whom she really wanted to play, you know, the day before. Right. 
I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> she also, you get your first little glimpse at Max's back, or not backstory, I guess, private life. Max is like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. What I just saw, mm-hmm. she's like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, Max is all right. So the closing montage, then we see the All-American Girls, the Rockford Peaches, all suiting up for their first practice, getting their Peaches uniforms on. And then cut with that, we see Max leaving the salon, putting a baseball cap on. It's almost like her baseball uniform, even though she's not on a team. And it's just all like cut together so beautifully, them Mm -hmm. all getting ready for baseball. So there's like these two separate stories going on, but they're, it's, they're running parallel in a really beautiful way. And it's like Max is alone, right? Max doesn't have a team. The other ones have their, they found their team. They have their camaraderie, but there's still joy against a wall, but she's smiling throughout Mm -hmm. the entirety. She's, you know, mm-hmm. she's got herself and she trusts in her talents. Clearly, she's like, yeah, I know. I'm great. I'm like four million times the player that you are. Maybe she has more confidence in her one self than that whole team does right now. But I do love it. I love the song that's playing. Mm-hmm. I love like the joy, like how they slow-mo it. And you see them like clapping and stomping their feet. And it's just really joyful. That was That is what is talked about this show on repeat is joyful. It's joyful. It's joyful. It's celebratory. And I think that's so important. I think that's why it's resonating because mm-hmm. so many times gay stories, there's a, it brings you down. Like you don't, mm-hmm. you have to psych yourself up to watch something queer because you know, it's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And this is tragedy so often. Yeah, this is yeah. not like that. What you're seeing at the end is just like, it's okay. You're with us. Let's all, celebrate let's all hoot and holler it's awesome i love it and that is the first episode yay thanks for joining us uh before we go cat uh cat has a fan art corner and she wanted to plug an artist today i do i think this is really important because i think the fan art especially for a show that isn't like a huge budget isn't getting a lot of attention a lot of eyes get put on people who are creating art, like they're doing it so quickly. They're, this art was available like two days after the episode aired. And I think that like someone like uh, Amazon Prime, they recognize this because they have hashtags, um, fan art of our own. Mm-hmm. And, like these people are are plugging us. We're getting a lot of eyes here. So the person I wanted to plug... Their name on Twitter is E-V-G-A-R underscore. And on Instagram, it's E-V-G-A-R underscore P-S-D. And I will say they've created a couple of scenes that didn't get shown, but were talked about. And it's, you know, moving up into later seasons. So I don't really want to say just in case you have not watched, but... There are a couple of moments in the show that were implied or talked about and you kind of wish you knew what they look like and this person has drawn them to beautiful perfection. They're amazing. And I think what I'm going to do 
on our Twitter, uh, maybe like the day before we drop this episode is, I will just uh, plug their art along with a couple of images. I'll reach out to them, see if it's okay. And I think that'll be really awesome. I know that the hashtag exists, but it'd be nice to have it in one place and celebrate them on our timeline. Awesome. We so love art here. We do. And in fact, we want to thank Crystal for her incredible work on the show's logos, graphics, all the patches. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We also want to thank Alyssa for creating the music for our podcast. Oh, the music. Or as, as Alyssa cleverly calls it, the peach jam. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, my plug is that I am the marvelous Mrs. Mosaic. I create um, stained glass mosaics that lean heavily on pop culture. And just today I finished a credit kill mosaic. Ooh. It's outstanding and really, really upsettingly hot. <laughs> even, even in mosaic form, Greta Gill is giving me a lot of feelings and I'm not happy about it. So we love all the new followers. We're genuinely touched by the love and the enthusiasm for this podcast. Continue to engage with us on Twitter at WAAFpod. We're all for podcast. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And spread the word on Twitter and tell your friends about the show. We will feature selected reviews, you know, the positive ones. We won't read your, <laughs> your crappy, angry ones on future episodes of the show. So please tell us what you think. We'll see you next week for re a recap of episode two. And thank you for being our team.